Tech Nori Tuesday is here. The showcase is tonight. We're recording this podcast conversation before the show, which is something that we don't usually do, but I felt like today's, uh, I don't know, the summer's here. I'm feeling good. I got more energy. Uh, it's been a good day all in general. and just super excited about the showcase. Uh, Mark Ackler's our keynote. Howard Tolman's going to talk. Uh, we've got five startup companies coming in from all over the country. Uh, one here from Chicago, uh, Crowdfine, which is going to be really cool to see what they're up to uh, after they've been on stage before. But now it's like a complete different spin. I'm excited. Uh, Mark Ackler actually joined me in studio live on the on the live WGN show last Saturday, which was awesome. The podcast version of that is up and running if you guys want to check it out. Uh, of course, I feel like you wouldn't be listening to this unless you already knew about Technori.com. So I'm not really sure why I say this every time, but Technori.com. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, everything Technori, me at Katoon. Uh, I had a really interesting conversation with the founder and CEO of Home Chef, which you might have, uh, I don't know, heard about in the news. It's uh, made a pretty big splash, uh, about a $700 million splash. We'll learn a little bit about that. Uh, but Pat is just an interesting character in general, and I think the whole story of where Home Chef is, and, and like, if you think about all of the different food in the home delivery mechanism, make-your-own-food recipe companies that have come out, in the last few years, it all kind of started with Home Chef, and, and everything has sort of been a, a spinoff on that. And and one of the things I want to get into this conversation with Pat is, you know, it's it's not easy to launch anything. It's it's not easy to, to start something that becomes a trend, even even more difficult that is. Uh, but what might be the hardest part is actually being able to fend off people as they start picking apart your business model and, like, trying to steal things that you're doing and, like, one-up you, and you have, like, all of the weight on you. And, like, how do you... How do you handle that without going completely ballistic on people and just, you know, keeping the product fresh and keeping the idea fresh and, and keeping the business model, you know, continuing to grow? And, and the whole thing is just really interesting to me. And it's it's what I like about this being a Chicago based company um, is that this is one of and there's been several and I don't want to make Chicago companies feel like they should have an even bigger chip on the shoulder than they already have. Uh, but this is one of those those companies that if if you if you blindfolded me and asked me about it, I would say it has a West Coast feel. Just feels innovative all the time, feels fresh. Um, and some of the other ones, not that they don't, but they just sometimes feel like I can see this, I can see the corner that they're putting themselves in. And uh, and when you become a big thing and a, a big item, you know, bad things happen when you're in that spot. So I'm glad to see that's come this far. So without further ado, I want to welcome uh, Pat to the show. Pat, thank you so much for taking time. Thanks for having me. Uh, so I guess before we get into all of the success and stuff, tell me a little bit about yourself and just sort of your background and all that. And, and then we'll work into like where food came, like where did food come into this, this picture? Yeah, sure. Sure. So, um, grew up here in the Midwest. I grew up in South Bend, Indiana, uh, went to Indiana university and, you know, it was, uh, in school, uh, that I realized I wanted to get involved with technology companies. I um, actually did an uh, internship with uh, Motorola at their mobile solutions facility up in Libertyville uh, when I was in college. And just kind of being at a gigantic corporation, realized that uh, I didn't want to head down that path. I didn't want to kind of, you know, work my way up from, you know, analyst to middle manager to, you know, head of some kind of department over a, you know, 10, 20 year uh, career. And instead wanted to, to really, you know, throw myself into something challenging and, and exciting. So while it checked the the technology box for me as as an intern, um, it, it you know just was not quite the challenge I was looking for, and so ended up uh, pursuing a, a career in uh, technology investment banking, and went out to San Francisco, and lived there for about four and a half years after college, and it was 
really there that you know I, I think I wholeheartedly got the itch to, to start a business myself. I always knew I wanted to start something, um, even as a kid. Is this you know, your, had, was this the first business? First, first what I call real business. Yeah, you know, I'd say it was the the third idea that I yeah. started to get serious about. Um, built a website, you know, for an, an, a couple companies before Home Chef uh, as well. And uh, but but you know quickly learned that those were not businesses that I wanted to pursue. Um, yeah. I think it would have been a, a really tough go at it. Um, and, and so in any way, you know, kind of made that transition, uh, working in San Francisco and finance, working with technology businesses, started programming and learning about web development myself, and decided to try to launch a, a business on my own. And. You know, you ask kind of why food, and um, and you know, it was growing up around good food as a kid. Um, so, my mom somehow always had uh, food on on the dinner table every night of the week. Uh, was we were always really good at uh, getting together as a family, and um, you know, quickly figured out how hard that was on my own. Yeah. Um, and and you know, my grandpa, my dad always had a garden going. So you know, in the summer, I was always around fresh produce and uh, fresh vegetables in general, and so. I've always had a love for food. Um, you know, I definitely started cooking at in early age. Uh, you know, probably when I was 11 or 12 years old, and before the the Food Network generation kind of became a thing. Yeah. Um, and and so you know, wanted to find something that I could take home, I could share with people. Um, and, and and when I started uh, kind of tinkering around with with this idea in the early days, it was people's reaction to the concept and their eyes kind of opening up and. You know, realizing that this is an idea that could fit into a lot of different lifestyles and could could work for a lot of different people, a lot of different different demographics. That you know, I, I guess became a convincing factor in kind of making the leap out of finance and you know what was a very stable, you know, nice income, and and jumping into something that was you know a lot more risky and a lot more uncertain. So, um, well, so like, let's drill down a little bit on that because there's actually a couple of interesting parts that I think. Um, get overlooked most of the time. It's always the like easy thing to be like, oh, failure, failure, and then I figured it out, and I've got my success, and here's my success story, and you know, I found this this problem that was just super sexy, and I went after it, and it's like there's so many pieces to the successful entrepreneurs that at least the ones that I've had the opportunity to, to talk to that sort of just get passed by as like chance or coincidence or whatever. And I, and I look at like I'd like to look at a couple of the ideas for starters uh, that you had. And what were some of the things that you found missing from mm-hmm. that piece? And, it, you know, sometimes it can be like I had the same story. Like for, for me, it was like there was one that was obviously a massive flaw in the business model. Like that will just never work. It's cool, but <laughs> not a chance. And then others is like I just don't have like let's say I could scale this. Do I have the passion to want to do that? You know, like how, what, yep. what were the factors of, of what we're looking at here? And then we'll talk about the food part because I think that's also kind of plays like obviously it's a big part. But I actually think it's more of like a subtle thing that people might have missed. Yeah. Well, you know, so a, a couple things come to mind. I think one is a lot of uh, first-time entrepreneurs think that they need to invent a category or invent a product. Yep. And, and almost even invent a problem uh, in, yeah. in some oh, I ways. Think, I, think I would say that if you look at the, you know, they always use the how many out of 10 failures there are in startups. All right. I, I actually think that at least five out of every 10 startups are a manufactured problem with a manufactured, not yep. really complete solution. And then the other five are execution. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, so the, the first two ideas that I, that I worked on uh, before starting Home Chef, one was a comparison 
comparison shopping site for downhill skis. Um, so, you know, not not a very big market there. Yeah. Um, but still, I mean, that still could be a nice business. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. you know, everyone's kind of, you know, shrugs their shoulders, kind of, you know, sounds interesting. Sure. Um, but, you know, you can only say that to so many people who would actually think, oh, I, I have a need for that. Yep. Like, I have a problem of finding skis either at my local store or online. And just that's really not a problem. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and I, I, you know, again, quickly learned that the economics just, just didn't make sense. And so it didn't feel like pursuing something that, you know, very people really have a problem with is, yeah. is worth it's anyone's a small, time. small niche to begin with. And then of that small niche, there's a smaller subsect who have this problem. Like exactly. It's very, it's like, that's like the inventor's dilemma. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I'll invent this and then I'll hand it off, hand the patent off. But like, I would not, my yep. business had better be inventing other stuff. Yep. The other thing I, I would I would say that that is you know important to keep in mind is if you're thinking about building a business is competition is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, so when I when I launched uh, back in uh, the summer of 2013, it was Labor Day uh, week of 2013. Um, there were already other meal kits in the market. Yeah. So um, and, and you know as a couple ideas I had before. So one was a comparison shopping site for downhill skis. Another was um, an online tool to help you learn Microsoft Excel, yep. um, which, you know, interesting problem, one that I had experience with kind of, you know, that's a more real problem, a, a little more real for sure. Um, but, but found that, you know, the, the sales cycle of selling that into an enterprise and as, as an enterprise solution, which is very tough and, yeah. and we need quite a bit of funding to keep that. And, there's, and that's afloat. like, just so people can kind of like, usually try to keep people in the know of like some of the nuances of here, but like you look at yep. a business like that. One of the biggest problems from some, and not that you don't have problems with Home Chef, of course, but one of the big problems there is you're beholden to the source of whatever you're training forever. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you're helping with Excel, I'm sure you would add other things to it. And sort of like uh, the, the founder, co-founder of, of Technori, Seth Kravitz, now mm-hmm. is the CEO of Flurn. So they, they focus on Adobe, in particular Photoshop and video editing. If Adobe comes up with a new patch or creates a new problem, then you have a whole new thing. And, like, demand yep. literally shifts in a second and you've got to figure it out. And it's like, that's just a really tough business yeah, to be in. And your investors have got, really have to be quite friendly. Yeah, for but. sure. For sure. But, you know, so, so competition is usually a sign that something is working, yep. that there's a solution that is, you know, meeting real people's real problems. And, you know, it's a sign that there is a product market fit. And so I, I think a lot of entrepreneurs um, and investors as well are scared of competition. And, I 100% agree. You know, and, and, you know, scared of investing in a company that may not necessarily be the market leader as well. Yep. But, um, you know, I think of kind of uh, incumbents, so big companies that are already solving a, a problem for, for consumers as being really great competition to go up against as a startup. So, you know, for us, there were some meal kits in the market, but our real competition still remains to this day, just going grocery shopping. So an average consumer, that's, that's which is cool because that means your competitors are essentially dealing with the same ultimate competitor, which is just user behavior. Exactly. So like that can be combated. I think one of the things just outlying listening to you talk and, and I have this sort of comparison in my head always of the different entrepreneurs that have had you know, like a friend of mine i grew up with peter rahal so like mm-hmm. listening to him talk about arch bar like it's very i think very uh, applicable that came in he was not the first bar like there's yep. what he was able to do is look at him like there's all these different bars that maybe do this and this and this but like i don't like them and i don't know that put it this way if it was not bars and and, and food for you guys like i might not have the the patience and the nerves to like take on this fight because i don't care 
mm-hmm. and that's why I'm trying to bring the food part in. It's like the fact that there was a, a predisposition to enjoying the the art of fine cooking, the belief that as a mission, like people should eat well, and that it has a huge impact on on performance at work and child yep. growth and you know disease and everything else. That there's enough in this <clears throat> enough in the stock for you to want to fight it. Yep. So then you go after it, and then one of the big things that I've noticed <clears throat> just in the short period sitting here talking to you is. Um, the way that you and entrepreneurs like another one that relates to me immediately is David Colt from Reverb.com. <laughs> Sitting here talking with David, and he said something very similar to you just said, which is uh, when he looked at the competition, was not afraid of it. In fact, was attracted by it. <laughs> it looked like a target that he could measure. And if he could measure it, sort of the Arnold Schwarzenegger predator line. If it bleeds, we can kill it. <laughs> if I can measure it, then I can look and you're like, okay, so right now we're, we're shipping this many boxes. They're shipping this many. They have this many returns. This many people don't continue. We have to get this number, and we'll be ahead. <laughs> and then pick the next one. And like I can see that in your brain that you sort of take this analytical approach to it, which I think a lot of entrepreneurs either don't have that skill, in which case I recommend a different job, um, <laughs> or they don't want they don't have the passion to want to do that. If that makes sense. Yeah. No. No. It, it does for sure. And look, I mean, our our ultimate uh, you know kind of guiding light is our customer, and so you know we look a lot at customer feedback and uh, all of our menus are created in a very data-driven, kind of customer-driven way. Um, however, we can look at our competition and learn from some of the, the mistakes they've, sure. made, they've made. So um, it's you know important to keep our finger on the pulse. And that's, a, I mean, that's another part of, that's where we start to get into execution. I, and I feel like for whatever reason, we still get thousands of people listen to every episode. I don't understand. Like, we, we say the same thing four times in a row every single week. Like, it literally is. But, it, I mean, it's interesting because you get, like, you as juxtaposition to be, like, versus somebody else versus somebody else and how you see it. Mm-hmm. But, like, there is this mission. Like, it's why. Why mm-hmm. do we want to do this? Like, why do we want to attack this? Um, there's a how. Here's, like, how we're planning on attacking this. And then there's this sort of, like, what we need to do to stay fresh and relevant. Yep. And and, and maybe in some cases it depends on the business, but in some cases, most cases, how do you and the leadership team stay fresh and relevant and want to continue to go? Or when should you bow out and bring someone else in who, mm-hmm. you know, you got it as far as you could go. And that sort of realization point that's in there. And, and so like, as we start to pivot this conversation towards the actual company itself, um, you know, how, cause to your point, like you can go into those other companies and look at things they don't do well and, and change the same goes for you. They can look mm-hmm. at you and, and, make changes so how do you you know first i guess maybe start with what home chef is and does for people today yep. and then you know how you guys view um i would say i'm going to try to keep it analytical the user behavior like how do you use that kind of stuff to make yep. sure that you guys are always good yeah so i mean you know s- simply put we portion fresh ingredients and then send them along with recipes directly to our customers doorsteps uh, across the country so we've got a few distrib- uh, distribution facilities across the country. We're sourcing from dozens of suppliers on a weekly basis, and we have a menu of um, uh, 16 items right now. And so you can choose from dinners, from lunches. Uh, we have a fruit basket and a smoothie as well. Um, when, when you sign up uh, with us, you tell us how you eat. And so if there's ingredients you want to avoid or a certain way you want to eat, we'll actually recommend meals out of our menu on a weekly basis. So we keep it really fresh. There's a ton of variety. Um, the, the way, you know, I mentioned the word customer driven earlier. It's, it's really the way that, that we operate, the way that we come up with our recipes. And um, in the early days, we used to, you know, literally crowd around a, a computer the day before or even an hour before we're about to publish our menu for the next week and really found that people were arguing with their own opinions and own kind of personal taste preferences. Yeah. And so 
um, we've built a lot of really cool technology to help us systematically gather that feedback and apply it to our R&D. So um, we get tens of thousands of meal reviews on a weekly basis. That helps uh, guide, yeah, guide our, our research and development quite a bit. Um, we also have uh, uh, a couple of different A-B testing tools that we use. So we can actually test you know, things like images or the title or the description of a meal, uh, the general menu configuration, figure out which meals are going to work, which ones are going to be most popular. Yeah. Um, and, and that helps us set the menu in a way that's sustainable for us as a business as well. Um, yeah. So, you know, if we're selling, you know, lobster and filet mignon for five bucks a piece, um, we're going to get a lot of demand, sure. but we're not going to have a sustainable business as a result. And so, um, you know, I, I think putting, you know, some kind of controls and a framework around uh, the, re the, the ingredients we can use, the recipes we can pursue, um, all of those things that, you know, are ensuring that we're meeting our customers' needs have resulted in us, um, you know, having really strong unit economics relative to the competition. So, like, let's say maybe 150% growth in yeah. 2017. That's real, you know, sure. slight, just yeah. a slight metric that suggests things are going okay. Yeah. yeah and no. it drew the attention of like the biggest buyer in, in the space. Sure. Yep. Just random <laughs> things that happened. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Just, it's been a crazy, you know, couple weeks. No big deal. Um, I will say as a person who have, who I've, I've used home chef, I've used blue apron. I've used eat purely. I've used several of these things. I've used some that are like factor sec 75 and like just random and, We've had like three or four of these companies come through Technori that like we're on stage, and so I get like free stuff all the time, which is yep. a perk, but then also not a perk. Um, <laughs> one of the things that I noticed about you, and I don't think it, I don't think that it was this way from day one, and you kind of indicated such, but um, as a major different differentiation, uh, differentiation, uh, and something kind of coming from Steve Jobs's sort of mindset. Sometimes giving people too many choices is like a big negative. They can't. Mm -hmm decide what they want and then they hate you because they chose poorly <laughs> even though you gave them they just didn't they may have even liked the food they just wanted something different like it's just a, yep. a really weird dichotomy that takes place in people's heads and what i've noticed with a lot of the other ones and some of them have started to shift towards where you guys are at but they used to have this like laundry list of food and then some people even did it by a diet so I'd be like oh i'm this kind of diet which is it was getting closer um but they weren't making decisions for people and I think the fact that you guys have kind of taken this approach of like, we're not telling you this is what you're going to eat. We're kind of telling you this is what you're going to eat. But like, you're going to eat something like this. And this is sort of the options. Mm -hmm. But like, here's your pack. Like, yep. bye bye. Uh, and let us know immediately if you don't like it. We'll take care of you. But like, let us know. Is so much smarter, so much more efficient. And it gives you the information to scale that the other ones, honestly, might go broke chasing down the data. Like just the f the simple fact that they're gonna have to s have people pick stuff means by default less things will be purchased online. Now you've got waste that like stuff that didn't get eaten and sold. Like sure, it just it's it all of a sudden this like chain starts getting gaps in it and the gaps get bigger and bigger and bigger and then they race to figure out like what do people want survey A B and like yep. and they still lie to you. Like I always end up going to this story with uh, Steve Easterbrook from McDonald's was talking about this and he was like. Um, not trying to crap on the previous guy before me is what he said. And then Don Thompson was like, we spent tens of millions of dollars on surveys for millennials to find out that they lie about what they like to eat. They all say they want to eat green, but then when the push comes to shove, they live in their parents' basement, they got five bucks, yeah. it's Big Mac. And so they literally spent 30% of their menu in the garbage. Like, how do you fix, like, you got to know your people. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, 
You're right. In, in the early days, we started with um, e- even more of a set menu, so so less choice. Uh, Which is we'll- smart. I think that's how you're able to really quit. Like, I think that you have made some really smart, even if it was on accident, uh, <laughs> really, really smart. I'm not just joking, obviously. They're mostly on purpose. <laughs> but uh, some very, very smart decisions. And that's why I want to ask about being a first-time founder. It's like it's really quite uh, awe-inspiring, to be totally honest, and not to stroke your ego too much, but like legit because – these are the kind of mistakes that I think are fatal, but you don't see them. They're the quicksand, as they say. Mm-hmm. You don't see this decision until two years later. And so, you, as you're saying, you you know, you made a set menu from day one like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I mean, it, it took it took a lot of balancing, and it it did require you know some surveys and feedback yeah. to to get there ultimately. But I I remember I I did a survey uh, within the first six months of launching that just asked the simple question to our customers. Would you rather, you know, get a set three uh, three meals each week that you can't choose from, or would you rather choose three out of five? And ninety percent of our customers said, "Yeah, we'd rather choose three out of five. And so, over time, you know, we've really just been bending over backwards for our customers. We we send out thousands of different box permutations versus uh, a lot of our our competition is just not used to that amount of complexity. And so, making the transition uh, very quickly from you know, a set three meals each week to offering choice is a really tough thing. Yeah. Unless you've been doing it and figured out how to forecast and, you know, figured you would out be, how to. If you switched the light off or on on that one, you'd be screwed. Yeah, Like, I'm exactly. just telling, I'm telling your competitors right now, like, you can go ahead and try, but you better start, you better literally start the way you did back then and, yep. and have to have runway because it's going to. And also, so speaking of which, uh, the trying just got a hell of a lot harder because now we enter Kroger into the deal. And there's capital and there's, you know, distribution and there's just a whole bunch of other stuff. And you're almost, in a sense, uh, partnering with your number one competitor, which is the grocery shopper. Uh, and so it's kind of like an, an Amazon-ish type deal when they acquired Whole Foods. It was like that was a place that Prime Food was struggling with. And so now we just own the grocery store. Um, yep. Talk a little bit or what you can about the deal and then uh, we'll go from there to sort of what other things are on your radar as, as things change for you. I mean, obviously you're still very involved in this but yeah you know there's things sometimes immense wealth brings immense opportunity <laughs> no it's, it's it's a huge opportunity for us um they are the biggest platform in, in grocery for us and so uh you, you know we've we've asked our customers over time where do they want to see home chef meal kits and over half of our customers tell us they'd love to see our, our meal kits on a, on a grocery shelf um kroger's got a, a good start in meal kits already so They've got uh, a product called Prepared that's in yep. over 500 stores. Um, so they weren't, you know, just uh, just learning about meal kits for the first time when we when we met. They actually already uh, were very smart and very much up the curve. Will you guys um, be sucking that on, like taking on those clients then and bringing those over to Home Chef? It's ultimately to be determined. Yeah, we're we're big on testing and you know don't want to make too many assumptions, but. Sure. Um, we'll have an opportunity to, you know, do the task, collect the feedback, and figure out if it makes sense to run prepared and home chef alongside each other or, or not. Yeah. Um, and, and so, look, I mean, we're we're super excited about the culture at Kroger. That was the the one thing that stood out to me probably the most outside of just the gigantic opportunity that it is uh, having them as a partner. Um, but they're a, a Midwest based. They're based in Cincinnati, uh, Ohio. Um, really do have Midwestern values, just a lot of really humble, smart people over there. Um, and so, you know, in the, the spectrum of conversations that I had, I, I really felt uh, most strongly about them as a partner for us. And so uh, we've received offers in the past and have decided not to take them. And, you know, finding someone that's the right cultural fit is probably the most important piece for our team. So 
again we're we're super excited they've got uh over nine million shoppers that go through their stores every single day um so it's it's a really big opportunity for us to get our meal kits out there to more people um and and they're also you know one of the biggest food buyers in in the country so tapping into their supply chain delivering more back to our customers improving the customer experience yeah i mean i was gonna say like i feel like one of the biggest plays here with that deal that that will and we'll talk a little bit about the impact on the, Mm -hmm. the customers that it should help with your your margins which should help yeah, with efficiency and operations having everything kind of able to distribute across 5000 places so like yep. distribution channels fresher food quicker delivery all this other stuff comes into play immediately um, and then the other question i kind of had for you just this is curious and obviously if you don't want to answer totally fine um, is there a play or a thought process here marketing wise for how you guys can introduce those people who have been reluctant to jump into the home home delivery food service like by doing you know even doing cooking displays at the Kroger's at the Kroger and stuff like yeah absolutely there's there's a whole you know population of customers that we're going to be able to reach with Kroger that we haven't been able to reach in the past I mean we've done you know the vast majority of our marketing to date has been online or digital in nature Um, and so, so getting those shoppers who you know, may, maybe a either aren't online or on yeah. Facebook as as much Which as are probably still a tough sell. But like, the, there's plenty of digital people like that I know, like they're yep. in the tech scene who have just never tried it because they're just like, sure. I, I don't know how it works and I refuse to learn. And it's like, oh, that's kind of stupid, but whatever. But like, if you walked into Mariano's now and yep. saw a Home Chef, like I feel like I would find out like, oh, it's not lab food. Yeah, absolutely. It opens up more occasions where we're a good fit. You yeah. Know, so so right now you have to order. Uh, from our website, you have to order by Friday at noon for the following week's delivery. We're going to potentially be, you know, a driveway solution for someone. They're pulling up, not sure what they're going to do for dinner that night. They could, Which would be you know, incredible. either place an order uh, through Kroger's uh, website for click and collect or home delivery, yeah. or they can actually just go to the grocery store and, and find us there. So we're going to be opening up, you know, more day parts, more solutions, more, you know, there's also this whole spectrum of convenience uh, that we've been messing around with for some time as well that, uh, it will be exciting to have you know, Kroger as a platform to launch off of for all those things. I will say, as a as a user, our household does a lot of a click list at Mariano's. Mm-hmm. It has it's good for some things and it's awful for others, and there's a lot of challenges there. And I I'm not I mean other than like time and machine learning and things to like really be able to analyze the food qualities and what I'm getting and things, I'm not sure that there's a an answer that will fix that problem. The, the problem that is like you get crappy grapes like i don't think that that's a, a fix there but what i do think will and could be the fix there is home chef i feel like ordering recipes not ordering individual random mm-hmm. items mm-hmm. makes it much easier for them to preset and so like you guys selected the food it was out of your batch it's already prepackaged. it's right there for pickups like oh i want to have steak and potatoes in this tonight i want to have salmon whatever like you guys just boom box there it is that could be a major and I'm, and I'm sure you guys obviously and, and Kroger I have no doubt are already thinking of this but like I feel like that could be the uh, another vertical in in grocery that is has been attempted to hit with click lists and things like that but it just really hasn't taken off yeah I think there's you know in general across e-commerce there's a movement from you know kind of the online catalog yes. uh, version of things where it's just you know uh, millions of SKUs in one place, but you have Wait, to sort search your way through it. Search history changed the way we search even. Just know, items. And, and evolving into a much more curated experience with solutions for your lifestyle. 
Um, and what, I think there's going to be a great opportunity for us to capitalize on. I think that. you guys are going to crush that. That's just my personal opinion. Like it's, it's, <laughs> I know I'm excited to tell about it. So um, my last thing I want to ask you here is sort of obviously this is all huge and it's still <laughs> going in and we'll hold this. We won't send this to anyone at Kroger's executive team. So you don't have to, <laughs> you know, they will definitely not check this out. Sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but what what is something else that also is kind of on like people don't know that is something of, of particular interest to you and that maybe uh, who knows maybe 15 years from now or 10 years from now you're on to something else and you're you're whatever you know what's well, another thing yeah I mean look I, I don't have a great answer for that I guess you know right now no hyperloop the, two for you no 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 not, not, none of that yet I think you know we we actually have an opportunity now to really change the way America eats yeah and. Um, you know, I, th- I think it's the way that our team has been thinking over the past several years. But, you know, now it feels like the opportunity is real and yep. it's staring us right in the face. And so um, I think you're going to see us being heads down, sleeves rolled up for the next few years, really chasing that. So I, I agree. I think my one prediction I'm going to make on, on you, though, on this is that, like, once this general thing is kind of mastered and everyone feels comfortable that they control this, that the brain that you bring to the table is, like, the next business will be an extension of this. It'll be like – how home chef two and it's like you know it's, it's a way chef it's a it's a restaurant chef whatever it'll be so i just i can see it there that there's like a bunch of different huge i mean these aren't small verticals like the the home chef for grocery is not a small vertical that's like a whole yep. other company uh so very cool this is exciting i really appreciate you taking the time to come and talk to us here uh and congratulations of course on the success and continued success with home chef and kroger and everything else so pat uh where do people go to check out home chef and and to get on that meal go to homechef.com very easy. Simple. All right. Very cool. Pat, thanks so much. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate it. Of course. It. You can catch this episode and more at technori.com. Download the podcast on iTunes. Stay connected. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Technori. Or follow me at Katoon. Boom. That's a wrap. All good. <laughs>